Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hey again, Polyam fam. Welcome back to Talk Your Poly Off. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. This week, we are going to talk about our little secret. Choosing whether or not to be out with polyamory. That's always a big topic. I mean, I know it comes up all the time when we're out and about how people come out and if people are out and how do they do it. So basically, what I feel like we see in all of the travels and all the people we talk with there's, there's essentially three levels of being out. There's totally secret, not out at all. No one knows. And then there's kind of partially out where they may be out to their friend circle, but definitely not their family and certainly not work. Right. And then you have the type that are totally out. They just are polyamorous no matter who they're talking to. Right. They and don't have to worry about hiding a piece of this and remembering what relationships they've hidden and what they've come out with and who have I introduced this person to? They're just 100% living as polyamorous people. So I guess, how open are you, Bella? I'm totally out. Yeah? Yeah. I, uh, I, don't know, I think a few years ago I was writing a blog and on that blog on New Year's Day, I decided I was going to come out. And I wrote all about what polyamory means to me, what it looks like, and um, that I was demisexual. And then I called my parents that morning. It was a Sunday morning. Called my parents on the phone and said, hey, make sure you pull up my blog and check it out. They read it. I was, I don't know, five shots into Fireball on a Sunday morning trying to relax (laughs) my nerves. And they basically said that they loved me and... No matter what, they're there for me. So that was kind of my first step. And then I totally came out on Facebook to all the extended family and friends. And my work knows through, like my supervisor knows. I don't I don't flaunt it in front of anybody, but anybody who asks me about it, um, I'm open and honest about it. I've got multiple coworkers who are in our Facebook groups. And then... I don't shy away from talking about partners and dates. So if it comes up in the break room, like, what'd you do this weekend kind of thing, I don't shy away from it. So I talk about it openly. So did you talk about your date in this last weekend? (laughs) I did not, only because it was kind of a weird vibe in the office today. Gotcha. All right. So that's how you came out. Mm -hmm. What's your story? There are a couple of different steps. When we we're when I was first exploring polyamory, and I was married, and I came out after figuring it out what it was, we decided to be selectively out, and the reasons I think are something we're going to talk about a little later. Mm-hmm. So I won't get too detailed now. As we go along, I'll reveal more. <laughs> so we were partially out for a while. Then after a couple of circumstances, we came fully out into the open, and I have stayed openly polyamorous ever since. I guess I'm at a point I couldn't go back.
back to not being. Yeah. Unless I totally changed my environment, like moving. Right. All my coworkers know, my bosses know. Well, in our whole friend circle, my friends, our friends, your friends, happen to be polyamorous now. Right. But it's not that we specifically didn't include monogamous people, but our whole world is wrapped up in the ethically non-monogamous world right. and alternative lifestyles. And so all of our friends either are poly or are poly, understanding of poly, right. poly-friendly. Yeah. All right. So, so I that- think when somebody is considering coming out as polyamorous, there's a few what we're calling areas of impact um, when you consider how open you are. Like, if you're thinking about, okay, well, I'm not, I'm totally closed right now. I'm not open at all. Nobody knows, and it's all a secret. How, how much do I want to put out there? Let me look at things like social media or being out in public or going to family events. That's going to take a lot of impact. Right, and one of the biggest and most often asked points or most often addressed points is the relationship status on your Mm -hmm. Facebook. Oh, the official Facebook status. Right. Like you want to be open and available, but once you put open (laughs) on that status, then if you're not out, all of your family will be getting a hold of you in the next 24 hours. <laughs> what does this mean? Especially if you're married. Are you and so-and-so doing okay? Right. Are there problems? What's going on? That's going to happen. That will happen. So there's changing your relationship status. Right. Um, but a big one is tagging people. Tagging people and sharing pictures. Right. So you want, you know, if it's not a big group of friends, because that's easy enough to hide it, right? You could be with both of your girlfriends in a big group, tag everyone. I had a wonderful time with friends and even, you know, partners. You could even say that generically and not. I have in the past said friends and loved ones. Friends and loved ones, yeah. Right. And kind of get away with it in that sense. But now what if a partner isn't out at all? Oh, I have the answer to that. Yes. Because I have a partner that isn't totally out. Yes. Well, or wasn't. Her and her husband are coming out more and more to their family. Right. But I have occasionally dated people who are not out and cannot be tagged. I actually even had a relationship last year with a girl who I, in all of our months together, I think I only got three or four pictures of her. And it took two months for her to even be wanting to be in the first picture. And I wasn't even asking. I was taking a picture of uh, some monument on the street. And she's like, can I be in your picture? I was blown away. I'm like, oh, I'm allowed to take Okay, sure. (laughs) That's really hard. From my end, Mm -hmm. I love sharing the joy of the people I'm with. And I love tagging people or I love sharing pictures of stuff we've done. Peaches and I went out mini golfing when mm-hmm. she was here, and I have all these great pictures on my phone. I think I did share some of them, but didn't tag as per our agreement. But it is really tough when you're like, you really just want to tag someone and say your feelings. 
but you know that you can't because they're not ready. Right. So from that aspect, it's a little difficult. I think we have something on the other side. I do, but in a similar um, way right now, there's a girl that I'm interested in uh-huh. who doesn't doesn't want to be tagged on Facebook. Um, not that she's not necessarily out. I'm not her whole status is around that, but she just doesn't really want to be, she doesn't use social media so much, not really on Facebook, doesn't really want her life shared that way. Right. Uh, and for me, I'm so out there and outgoing, I want to share it all and everybody yeah. come partake in the joy, you know, like that's how I am. And so that was kind of a difficult thing over the weekend, spending some time with her. I wanted to share all of our gardening pictures and all of these things. Right. Um, and I had to kind of pull back on the social media stuff. But before this, I'm usually on the other side where I, a couple of years ago before we got together, wasn't fully out. I had was single by myself, didn't have a partner and I was new to dating somebody and I right. wanted to be tagged in things, but couldn't. And it made, it made me feel invisible. Why couldn't you? Because you weren't out or because they weren't out? I wasn't out. Okay. I wasn't out. They wanted to tag me in things, and that was fine. Um, That was great, but I couldn't couldn't let them. And even though I had a solid reason for it, you know, I'm not out. I don't want my family and coworkers to see this. Um, And it was all legit. I couldn't. I couldn't help but still feel invisible and like I was this little secret and it was a terrible feeling even though it was my choice right. it was terrible and at the time that led me to create a secondary profile so that way that profile could get tagged right and that's one of the steps that you could take if you're not fully out or not out at all is many people have created a secondary profile like a lifestyle profile a lifestyle profile as it were mm-hmm. and that does help people transition more towards kind of out or sort of out in the open with polyamory. Okay, now let's say, you know, you're sort of out. Few people know. Maybe maybe your friend circle knows. Right. But you're out in downtown Portland. Uh-huh. And you're holding both girlfriends' hands. And you right. run into a family member. You're now out and about in public showing affection and PDA to both girlfriends, but you're not out to these people and they see you. I think that what potentially happens often is a cute little side story is made. Oh, we're just goofing around or something innocent. Right. But that actually comes to outing somebody that comes to Mm -hmm. saying, having to confront that you're hiding this part of your life. Right. And and you could either confront that or you're going to end up finding a way to hide it, right. whether it's honest or not. And then you've got that whole web of stories. We have to keep straight. How have I introduced this person to this family member? And how have I introduced them here? And i got to remember all this. Right. And I think what happens is that slowly there becomes more exposure. Say I'm your judgmental old grandpa, and I would think this is all wackadoo, but you're dating two other people. Mm -hmm. And I just happen to be internet savvy enough to check the Facebook machine. (laughs) And every once in a while, I see my granddaughter with that fella and with that gal and with the both of them together. Eventually, 
I mean, as your your stately relative, I have been around a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't born last night. Right. I'm not naive to the world. Eventually, I'm going to start drawing conclusions. Right. And it, it's funny because when my wife and I were starting to almost come out, mm-hmm. I was flirting around with Facebook. It's kind of putting a little bit out here, a little bit out there, nothing serious, but just enough to where it would be like cushioning for when I do <laughs> crash through the door. <laughs> And my mother-in-law, or sister, it was actually my sister-in-law, kept seeing little things, and she would talk to my mother-in-law and say stuff like, I think that Monsada and Violet are swingers. (laughs) And she kept going on, and she kept going on. And every time that Violet's mom would call her, she'd ask her, what's going on? Are you guys guys doing that swinger thing? Is it the, the key party? And... And so as soon as that phone call would be done, I'd get on there and I'd find some picture of a swing set or something. <laughs> and I'd post that on my Facebook just to give a poke back. <laughs> like, you want to get in my business? Here, let me get in yours too. I know you're, I know you're telling people. Well, I mean, I think that's the ultimate third level of this. Work is kind of scattered around. Work, to me, depends on the um, maybe conservative level of the job that you're at. Right. Because nobody, nobody wants to lose their job. No. But aside from just social media stuff, and then you've got coming out to your friends, the third step is really those family, family members. And that can be a tough one. And for a lot of people, it may not be safe to come out to their family. They may literally be disowned. You know, it's, wow. it's a possibility for some oh, yeah. families out there. Absolutely. I don't, this is the one aspect of coming out to everyone in polyamory that I've never really understood. Yeah. Like I've met people and I'm friends with people that are deathly afraid that their family members are going to find out. Right. And I don't understand me personally. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do whatever you're going to do. You have reasons, you have reasons, but I've never understood it. If if you're afraid to come out to your family, so afraid that this gives you terrors, why? I don't. Yeah. I don't understand. Can you under, Can you explain that to me? A I little have bit? such supportive family. I don't personally oh, understand you it. <laughs> you know, your family is fantastic. Honestly. So, so I, I, I'm pretty privileged in that sense that I can't understand people who would do violent things to their own okay. kids or maybe it's not violent like you said disowning mm-hmm. when you first came out as Polly mm-hmm. to your parents you said you were five or six fireball shots in yeah why were you so nervous why did you have to drink before telling them um mostly because of some religious background in my family okay um I was more afraid not that I would so much be disowned um but that I would be Pulled into a world of we're going to pray for you or we're going to take you to this church intervention or, you know, it's the disappointed. We're disappointed in you. Okay. Okay. Um, it's letting people down and 
I'm a pretty positive person and I don't really like to hear all of that. I don't need to be told how I'm failing at this or failing at that. So I, I wanted to avoid those conversations. I never thought that I would be like thrown on the street and you could never come home kind of a thing. Right. But I know that that does happen for some people. Right. See, I think the problem that I've had, first off, I kind of had to disown my family 20 some years ago anyway. Right. Through an entirely different situation. And I had to realize at an early age that I could live without family. And if they weren't there to support me and to believe in me and to trust in me, I mean, like, we're supposed to be family. We're supposed to love each other unconditionally. And they proved then, again, through an unrelated thing, that love is not unconditional. And I learned quickly that I didn't need their condemnation. Right. I was going to make it in life with or without them. And this is from your, um, what a lot of people in the community would call your family of origin. Yeah. People don't like blood family. So family of origin. There's my kin. Has become the term. Versus like what you have nowadays and what you had back where you used to live, your chosen family. Well, they're still my blood family. They were my hereditary family. No, what I'm saying I'm a branch on this tree. People don't like the word blood. It's gross. So they changed it. (laughs) Sucks for you. I like blood. I'm going to say blood family. Your family of origin. (laughs) It's where you came from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't support me in a totally different manner. And I said, fuck you guys. And lived perfectly fine without them for over a decade. Right. So... When I see people struggling now, and I'm on the other end of that, dealing with what I had to deal with, I wish there was some way I could share that as much as you love your family and as you want them in your life, if they don't love you back and support you, even if you're going to make what they might consider a dumb decision, what's the big deal? Right. You're still going to be alive tomorrow. You're still going to breathe tomorrow. If you upset somebody... You upset them. Big deal. You're living your life. They're living their life. I don't care if they birthed you. I think for a lot of people, it's that fear of the unknown. You know, what if the, they're a college student living at home? You know, mom and dad writing them off now means they're on the street. You will still live tomorrow. Right. But it's the fear of the unknown. They don't know. What happens if I don't have mom and dad anymore? I mean, that makes sense. I get that to a degree. Yeah. I just, I just don't understand. I mean, these are supposed to be your family of origin. <laughs> They're supposed to have your back. Right. And if they don't, hell with them. So what are three outside circumstances that can affect why people might not be so supportive? I would probably say religion, political views, and uh, location. Yes, location. I think, I think, (laughs) what do you think plays the biggest part? Like the location demographic or? That really depends. Again, I started my poly journey, not my ethical non-monogamy journey, but polyamory. Mm -hmm. In a small town, in a very conservative small town, where 
I mean, in this town, I had a job where I didn't go to the same church that the managers did, and I got treated poorly because of it. Right. So your environment, I think, is a good dictator of how out you can be. We lived in a conservative environment in a small town. Everyone was in everyone's business, as they do in small towns. Mm -hmm. And so while I was ready to be completely open, because I've got a middle finger on each hand, I can just wave to anybody, <laughs> our potential partners were, were not so much. Right. It goes back to that fear. What if my family finds out? What if my work finds out? So I think that location is a big deal depending on, like in Portland, I heard just the other day someone said something about how Portland was like the polyamory capital or something. Yeah. Like a lot of polyamorous people are in Portland. Who cares if you're polyamorous in Portland? Right. You can walk around with a giant banner that says, I'm polyamorous, and everyone will be like, so? <laughs> so in that aspect, I think the location is important. Yeah. I definitely think the religious side plays an effect. Huge. Has a huge effect, yeah. Um, but in the world that we live in today, so does the political view. And we will not get no. political here, but we can address the political state. It is... Our country is in flux. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of, regardless of the side, a lot of us versus them. I'm right, you're wrong. I think there's a growing culture of intolerance, mm -hmm. which makes things difficult for people who are different than their neighbors. Right. So, and yeah. I, that's really hard to deal with. Very much so. And, you know, you could live, you could be in Portland, work for, you know, so your location's great, work for a very... Um, open-minded, religious, maybe more spiritual, non-religious type place, but maybe your boss is super conservative. Uh -huh. You know, maybe maybe your boss just doesn't understand what you're doing, and that plays a huge part in it. Right. So I think all three kind of connect together. Yeah. It really has to be a little give and take and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Well, I think that's a lot of paying attention to what you are willing to deal with in life, what you want to have in life, and what you'd like to avoid, and in trying to find that middle ground between all those things. Yeah. In the sense of, I really love my job. It pays phenomenally well. I sure would love to bring partner A and partner B and partner three and partner purple <laughs> to the company picnic. But I know that I can't without outing us. And if I out us, then perhaps the boss is going to fire me. Means no income. Right. So can't what is bills. more important? Being able to be open? Having your job? What about the idea of looking for another job where you're allowed to be you? Right. Like at my workplace, there's still people there like... I'm loud. I'm an asshole. <laughs> My boss hates me some days. I'd say most days. <laughs> because I don't let him push me around. He's a bully. And he bullies other people at work. And I don't let him push me around. And I typically stand up for the people at work. Because we're all human beings. Right. 
and you don't have any right to treat me like shit. I don't care what your title is. And I've told him that a couple of times. Right. And if you're not able to put your boss in their place, then maybe find a different place with a different boss. It's all about weighing out what works for you and what's important to you. Right. I mean, find your happiness, whatever it is. If you're happy not being fully out and calling, you don't ever have to be. Right. If you want to keep it, you know, on the hush-hush, you don't want many people to know, cool, that's awesome. So I want to wrap back around to something. We kind of oh, talked okay. a little bit about um, dating someone who's like secretly poly and what that kind of looks like. Okay. Um, we even kind of touched on some of the obstacles where like, we really want to celebrate them, but I can't tag them or share pictures or things like that. Right. Um, what we didn't really touch on and I think does go hand in hand with it is <laughs> this kind of weird phenomenon that happens when, let's say, okay, for example, you and I, we're both 100% out polyamorous, right? Oh, yeah. But you've got a partner that's not. I do. Uh, I've got somebody I'm interested in who doesn't do the social media thing. Right. So to the outside world, you and I run, what, 12 different Facebook groups? 15. 15 Facebook groups. We've got two podcasts. Mm -hmm. We write an article in a monthly Portland Lifestyle magazine. PDX scene. PDX scene. And we have this outward appearance of being monogamous. We do. If somebody looked at us, at our profiles on Facebook, or if someone came to one of our parties, which we host multiple lifestyle poly parties, 4th of July barbecues, that kind of a thing. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> Cosplay, that Once kind of stuff. If they were to show up here, it's just you and me. Right. It's you and me hosting. It's you and me writing. It's you and me all the time. Right. How does that affect, like, how we run things in the polyamorous community? Does that Does that play a part in the appearance we have? Well, I find that entire idea interesting. It's being polyamorous and looking monogamous. And when you and I first met and I was with Violet. Right. So Violet and I looked very monogamous in that moment in our life. That's kind of the thing right there is that moment in your life. There are going to be times when you're polyamorous that you look monogamous or single. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like when you're in that stage whichever one it may be, that being able to, oh, I don't know, sounds like a weird way, but being able to explore or exercise your polyamory mm -hmm. does seem a little bit more difficult when you and Violet and I were all cohabitating right. and we had our open V. Mm -hmm. It was easy for people to see that we were polyamorous because we were all fully out. So if we went out to dinner, it was the three of us. Mm -hmm. if, um, we went to an event. We had we were all holding hands of some configuration. Okay. So it's easier to appear polyamorous with multiple partners. Violet and I are no longer living together or together. So 
it's down to you and I. I have experienced quite a difference. In Do you how think it makes with. us less approachable? Like if people have, if we're out at an event, maybe the one we're not hosting, okay. we're just out at an event, uh-huh. and someone might have a poly question or something. Do do you think it affects how people approach us? And in that same sense, but I guess a little different, in the dating world, do you think you get viewed on more as maybe like, he's just cheating or huh. something like that? Do you think it affects you in the dating world? I absolutely do. Yeah. So as far as being members of the community who could be approached for advice. Yeah. I don't think that it affects us much in that way. It doesn't mean anyway. The people who we deal with know that we have these groups and we run these groups and they know who we are essentially. Yeah. For the most part. The dating is something I do see as different. And I don't I don't know. It does seem like since I've gone back down to having one nesting partner that I appear to be monogamous and it appears that I'm perfectly happy just living life with you. I get that. Yeah. Which I am. I I love being with you. Of course. People don't often see that I have a long distance partner who is not nesting. And because that person is not nesting, in this place. And they're not fully out, so you're not tagging them all the time. Right. And they're long distance. So it does it does appear like it's just you and me. Right. For the most part. Right. And, and I f- feel like the approaches have been different and less frequent. See, I get that. On my side, I almost feel like because I no longer have a girlfriend. I can't be part of these bi and queer groups, you know, bi women only or queer folks. Because now I appear heterosexual on top of appearing, on top monogamous. Of appearing monogamous. Oh. So now there's that stigma that goes along with it. And how many people shy away from maybe being interested or exploring interest because they think it's just, oh, Bella Mansuda, they're locked down, they're locked in, they're closed off. And that's not the case at all. I think we've gotten that quite a few times. Yeah. All because, sure, we don't have an extra, any other nesting partners. Somebody talks to us, they'll instantly know that we're polyamorous. Right. But they have to get past that outward appearance. It's an int- it's interesting to think about. <laughs> so I, I think in the end, um, we've got four tips if you want to come out. Um, and again, we're not saying you have to. If you enjoy being partially out or you don't feel safe to come out at all, we're not telling you what to do. That's not what we're here for. No way. Well, we're sharing our experiences. Um, and then, you know, we've got these tips. If you are looking to come out as polyamorous... Number one, I would say bring your partners around before even having the conversation of coming out. Uh, For example, my ex-girlfriend now, Luna, before I introduced her as a girlfriend to my parents, her and her husband and kids were just hanging out at the house now and then. They went to a renaissance fair and stopped by the house one time. 
they were just over at the house. So I got to introduce them just as friends and roommates at the time. They were my roommates. So my parents kind of got to know them a little bit. Then by the time I was making the post that Sunday with all the fireball, my parents kind of had an idea that it was with these people that I was living with. So they, they already got to know this person. So let them build a relationship and get them to know them as a person before they make any snap judgments of them as a partner. That's fair. Yeah. So I guess the second one would be to talk about polyamory and explain what it means to you. For example, like when I had a similar experience when, like you were talking about where your mother-in-law thought it was swinger parties. Right. Right. She had this picture in her head and this assumption of the keys in the bowl, seventies or sixties style swinger parties. My mom did the same thing when I mentioned it. She was like, so is that, is that one of those keyhole parties? It's like, no mom, this to me means I'm loving multiple people. I'm committed to multiple people. The third tip would be to explain why you're choosing to be polyamorous. Huh. So, like, by explaining your abundance and love and how you aren't using it as an excuse to cheat? Right. Or something like that? Something along those lines. Oh, it's a good thing I thought that one up. I know. So good. You did so good. I did. I always do. What's our last tip? I'm not telling. (laughs) And in spirit of that, (laughs) it's to always be open to questions and feedback. Understand that everyone may not support you right away. Be patient. Answer the questions. Give them time. Put in the labor. Give the education. Be a teacher. Be a teacher. It's important. I, I, I agree. That's how I do it all the time. The biggest thing that overcomes obstacles is understanding. And whether it's Someone at work who doesn't understand that I just mentioned a different person than my girlfriend or my wife or what have you. And then they're confused and they might want to start problems. A little bit of explanation goes a long way. And it's a whole lot better than having to get into a fight with somebody, verbal, HR, or otherwise. (laughs) And it just makes it easier. And then maybe they will have that understanding as they go into their life. Yep, I totally agree. So I think we covered all our all our bases here. Oh yeah. Yeah. We talked about like some obstacles and maybe why people want to come out and how difficult it can be on both sides, being the secret hidden partner and then having to not tag and not share all your experiences. Right. So I guess I would come to a close on this by saying something like be as open or closed about this as you want. And I know that we've said that a couple of times, but this is your life. You're living nobody else's. You don't owe anyone anything. Live the life that you want to the best of your ability. You don't have to be open to anything with that said, if you're willing to push your boundaries and if you're willing to take those scary steps let's do it a couple at a time and let's see where that journey takes you and you may not have to hold in something that you're wanting to just shout from the rooftops about it's an amazing feeling like i have to say it it's such an amazing feeling to be 100 percent out these days right so on that note we want to remind you that you can subscribe to us if you like what you hear 
Subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss a single episode. We would also love some ratings and reviews on iTunes. Our show is on there. You can find us on iTunes, even if you listen on Spotify, maybe on your phone, because that's easier. I have a friend who then goes home and leaves ratings and reviews on iTunes on her laptop because she doesn't have an iPhone. That way our show can be found easier by more people looking to help, looking for help in their polyamorous journey. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what? Are you not following okay. Not even a little bit. You can also follow us on Twitter at PNW Poly. We're on Instagram and LinkedIn as Pacific Northwest Polyamory. And of course, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pacific Northwest Polyamory. And you can always visit our website, Pacific Northwest Polyamory.com. <laughs> if you'd like to contact us directly, you can email podcast at Pacific Northwest Polyamory.com about this or any other episode. Yes, what he said. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening. Until the next time that we talk our poly off, have a beautiful night. Bye. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polyam fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits.